everyone, and welcome to the Future of Work podcast series. My name is Ellen Wang, Faculty International Manager here at Leeds University Business School and your host for this podcast series. Last year, I launched my first podcast series themed around globalization, which involved a range of discussions with our students and alumni on how to think globally and act locally. I was really pleased to see the podcast was very well received and connected with many of our alumni who could share their views on this topic. Now, this year, I wanted to pick a topic that's new, trending and topical. So having had some thoughts and discussions, I've decided to focus on the future of work. The reason I chose this theme is organizations everywhere have experienced unprecedented disruption caused by the global pandemic over the last couple of years. The vital lesson we have all learned is that we can no longer delay our reimagining and restructuring of the way we work. Since the disruption, workplaces have never been more remote and disparate, yet resilient organizations have found progressive new ways to embrace flexible team working in ways that would never have been thought feasible a little two years ago. They have also moved to redefine roles to align with rapidly changing customer needs, sometimes redeploying staff into completely new activities, perhaps leveraging core skills to provide urgent relief in other sectors. So there are plenty to talk about in this new podcast series, and I'm looking forward to discussing the future of work from different perspectives with my co-host and guest speakers. So speaking of co-host, this year I have the pleasure to work with a very good colleague of mine, Mark Stewart who's also an expert in career consulting here at the University of Leeds. So welcome, Mark. Thank you for being on the show. And I'm very excited about this collaboration. Thank you, Ellen. Um, so before we start to digging into this topic, please tell us a little bit more about you and what you do at the university. I know you are already known to many, but this is really for the benefit of a wider audience. Okay, thank you. So morning all. And so my name is Mark and I'm one of the career consultants here at the University of Leeds. Uh, I've been there for seven years now, originally for London. So uh, if I talk very quickly, I apologize for that. But as Londoners, we talk and walk very quickly. Um, so I liaise with the faculty of uh, business school, lots, as well as Earth and Environment. I have a remit to work with international students on campus, which means that anything careers or employability wise, uh, I will run alongside a colleague of mine, Jan. Spellek uh, with regards to international students and also anything interesting such as this podcast uh, and other interesting webinars and workshops that I'm working on. Great thank you for the wonderful introduction Mark. So coming from a career consultant background I wanted to start by asking you what are your observations between the traditional ways of recruitment processes um, versus new ways of a recruitment process please? Okay, so what I would say is that uh, obviously technology is, um, has really increased over the last couple of years with regards to selection and recruitment. Um, the different types of sort of filters uh, are still there. So what I mean by that is if we look at very large companies, they will use an application followed by a, a psychometric test, um, then a telephone interview or a video interview, and then it'll go through to an assessment center that usually includes a, a final interview. Um, COVID has accelerated that, so technology has meant that companies can move very quickly with regards to the selection and recruitment process. 
Um, it means that they can um, service a lot more students and candidates and graduates with regards to sort of their selection recruitment. And also some sectors are very obviously heavily reliant on uh, technology and obviously that's their, that's their business. And so there, are, there have been a lot more sort of vacancies in those areas as well. So some companies have had what we call a rolling application, which means they don't keep to a timetable, they, they recruit all year round. Um, in terms of, shall I talk through a breakdown? Yes, in terms please. Of those sort of those sort of um, those sorts of processes. Yes, so the first one, as I said, is an application process. So one of the sort of main changes has been that while CVs and application forms are still quite prominent, uh, a lot of companies are now using the LinkedIn profile of candidates um, as an application. So they approach the candidate and say, you know, can we use the information from your LinkedIn profile? And that will be the initial application. So if your profile is good, and I would advise everyone who's listening to have a very good profile on LinkedIn. Um, then they will download that information. Um, secondly, will be the psychometric tests. Uh, and a lot of those, uh, a lot of companies now are going towards gamification, but we'll talk about that, I think, later on. Um, so they're using gamification and, and in lieu of psychometric tests, although they're still testing the same sort of uh, competencies and skills and personality. Then we have the telephone or video interview. Those were introduced pre-COVID. They're not going to go away, so they're going to remain. Um, and again, that's really around two things. It's around speed. It's quicker to have those uh, interviews. I think, you know, back in the old days when I first started years ago, before you were born. Um, I doubt that very much. <laughs> um, what they would do is some companies would actually have an initial interview in, in, within, within the company. Um, but now that's, that's gone. And it's, it's obviously it's good for sort of travel costs. It saves the company money. But it's also good for sustainability as well. It means less people are traveling. Um, so they'll run telephone or, or video interviews. Um, and then, as I said, we're on to the sort of assessment centres. And I think the main change, arguably, is the fact that they may be sort of shorter than previously. So I know some companies might have had candidates in for a whole day. That isn't necessarily the case now in terms of remote assessment centres. It might be one or two activities followed by an interview rather than maybe three or four lunch and maybe a social drink or a dinner afterwards, that's probably the sort of main difference now. In terms of some of the sort of feedback and the work that I've done with employers over the last two years and the meetings that I've had with them, I would say the assessment centre is the one thing that is probably mixed in terms of what the employers would like to get back to face-to-face. -face. And I've certainly met with a few students recently, including one very recently, she's, she's gone for a face-to-face -face this week, um, who have invited them onto face-to-face -face assessment centres. They'd like to get them back into, you know, actually seeing them getting them together um, rather than being remote. So I think that might be the one part of the, the sort of um, selection recruitment process that might change. That's great. Thank you, Mark. Thank you for sharing that insight with us. I've picked up a couple of interesting points. I just want to go back to those, if that's okay. I mean, you mentioned COVID has significantly accelerated the process of these um, changes um, in within recruitment process. Um, you know, that's the first thing. And then the second thing you talk about speed, which then for me, it means efficiency, right? So the employers really wanted to recruit people quickly. Um, and that goes back to my question to you is, do you think the employers can make a judgment in the shortest time, you know, cutting from a full day assessment to half day? Do you think they're able to really look for or decide on the correct talents for what they're looking for versus, you know, the efficiency? Yeah, so that's uh, that's the sort of argument maybe around the use of technology as opposed to sort of human beings. So obviously there's the, 
the, the situation with regards to AI and algorithms being used for maybe initial SIFs with some of the companies. Mm -hmm. uh, and obviously, you know, in a way, the sort of selection and recruitment process is a game. You've got to learn the game. A lot of the work that we do in careers is around sort of getting students and graduates to understand how to tailor applications to, towards sort of algorithms and using the right language from, from vacancies. Who knows? I mean, I, I'm sure an employer would, would, would say, yes, they, they, they can do the job. I mean, if they use sort of, like I say, AI initially to go through applications and then there'll be the human element where they'll look at the rest of those and then they'll make a judgment based on their own sort of emotions and feelings. I mean, there's always the argument that it could be unconscious bias in there. Sure. Um, but I think, you know, the, it's either the numbers have been such in terms of the applications that they've had to use that and that's their argument. They can't, you can't have a human check sort of 10,000 applications for a job, it would have to be, you know, sort of AI used first. Of course, of course. Um, so let's move on to assessment center. This is something that I think not only myself as a host, but I think majority of our graduates are very, very focused um, area, um, is that many of our graduates, obviously they, you know, when they first look for the job markets, they will look for jobs or employers at least offer that assessment center process. So what changes have you noticed in the last couple of years? Yeah, so I think just going back to what I, what I said earlier, I, I think sort of one of the main ones I've noticed from not just the employer feedback, but obviously working with students who are going to assessment or have assessment centres is that probably a wee bit shorter. And I think that that probably initially was around things like the fact that the com no company obviously lived through a, a pandemic like we had, so they had to adjust very quickly, I think you know, time was of the essence, so it might have been quicker to run one or two activities because they, they just, at the start, weren't that agile. Obviously, they've, they've certainly adjusted to that. More companies are very much much more agile now. I think the other thing is about quality of Wi-Fi. It was certainly noticeable when I was doing some mock, sort of, you know, so when I was doing my online interview, say, sort of around 2020 last year. Um, you know, the quality of the Wi-Fi got great, um, and I think, you know, applicants... You know, they're already anxious, the students and graduates are anxious already to have assessment, to be in assessment centers and, you know, to sort of lose your Wi-Fi or to be in a breakout room and get thrown out of that. And we have that ourselves in meetings, you know, very early on at the university. So I think the employers understood that. I think, you know, they want to help the students, they're not, and the graduates are not there to be nasty. So I think what they did was they sort of shortened the assessment center uh, compared to what had gone on previously. And I think if you're going to invite someone face to face, um, you want to make the most of that time. So I think it will be a longer process. So if we do, well, when we get back to face-to-face, -face, if we get back to some of the companies, then they will have that introduction to start with, maybe a coffee, you know, a chance to network with current sort of graduates or placement students. Then you have an activity, then you have lunch. That obviously isn't the case if you're doing it remotely. It, you know, it could last a couple of hours and that's it. Sure, sure. Um, so you talked about all these changes. I mean, obviously, you know, making a shorter time, which to me sounds like students will have less time to make a first good impression, right? Um, and then, of course, you talked about embedding the technology, AI, augmented reality as part of the assessment centre. And then you also talked about, you know, some assessment centres are held online and some of them are going back to face-to-face. -to -face. So there is the big question for you now, Mark, is what do you think our students should do to prepare themselves for all these changes, for all these, you know, different methodologies that the company has been implementing as part of the assessment centre, please? 
Okay, so I think I, I think the, the preparation is pretty much the same for an assessment center. I mean, an assessment center is you know is a set of activities in an interview. The employer will always say that you cannot prep for an assessment center. You can to an extent because you've got an interview. You can prepare for an interview. That's that's possible. I would say, I would agree to some parts. If you are face-to-face -face for an assessment center, you are in a physical space. And I always, you know, I always say to students that when you, when you turn up to an assessment center, you look around you in that physical space, even the reception area, there's going to be something there that isn't on the website. You know, it's not going to be part of your research prior to turning up. So it might be like an internal staff newsletter. You look at the notice boards, you see what's going on. Because, you know, if you inject that into an interview or into the day, the, the, the employer will know that the only reason you know that is because you were physically looking around, you were actually attentive, and that's part and parcel of you know the, the assessment center. Obviously, for remote work, you can't do that, but you can still look up the people who are going to be assessing you if you know who they are. You go on LinkedIn, you look at their profile, you still research the company, you research the sector, as we were saying before we came on in. You look at some of the news stories that affect that company as well, because obviously at the moment, currently we have the situation in Ukraine and that affects sectors. We still have COVID, um, and obviously that's affecting the sectors, and that's affecting every company as well. So you need to know about that because generally you're going to be assessed on that anyway, and you're going to be assessed on commercial acumen anyway in your sure. assessment center. So, you know, you'll have that, but I think you can still do the research. It's just that you don't have that physical, you know, surrounding, and you can't talk to other sort of candidates when you're in reception, or you can't talk to sort of maybe the, the, the graduates who are hanging around reception. You know, that's probably not what you can do, but you can still engage online. Uh, it's still very important to do so as well whenever you get the opportunity. And I think that's quite key, you know, whether that's opening a mic or, or using the chat function. Uh, and that's really important. Again, that's feedback from the employers. Whilst you can't physically talk to them, they are really open to someone using the chat box, asking really good questions or opening the mic if possible. It's still a form of networking. Mm -hmm. um, and how do you think our students can do to make a first good impression within the shortest possible time? Um, I think if it's, if it's remote, again, I think it is engaging, you know, as soon as possible with, with the employer. So again, if there's an opportunity to sort of have an introduction and you listen to the company and what they're talking about that, you would ask questions. Obviously, you've got to be careful. Don't ask questions for the sake of asking a question. If that question has already been answered or it's on a website, they sure. don't mind asking that. But it's about listening and engaging where possible and obviously personalizing that as well as, as much as possible. What I mean by that is, you know, bringing yourself into play as well. So if you have a question, you can sort of start it or frame it by saying, well, actually, I've done this or, you know, this is my project or this is my dissertation do you think that feeds into what you were saying about x and what you're doing there is you're selling yourself immediately because that's what an assessment center interview is about selling yourself and that's how that works and obviously standing out from other applicants as well which can be slightly difficult online compared to a face-to-face -face assessment center but it's still possible mm -hmm. what about face-to-face -face, um assessment center then so for face-to-face -face, as i said i mean i'm i'm you know it's game on as soon as you walk in that building i mean you you are looking around you you are engaging even you know in reception when you, you tell them that you're here and you're, you're marking yourself off, you know, you answer questions, you know, even something as simple as, well, how is your journey or how are you doing? You know, you're not sort of monotone. You know, I appreciate you might be nervous, but you want to engage. And everyone in that company is the eyes and ears of that company. They can actually ask the receptionist, well, actually, how did they react to you and how are they, you know, how are they when they were sort of sitting down and, and sort of waiting as well. So I would look around and pick up sort of information that's around in, in the actual environment. You want to talk to people who are giving you a tour, ask them good questions, and again, listen and, and sort of react to what they're saying uh, with regards to that. Things like lunch as well, you're still being watched. Anything social, you're still being watched. Um, so again, it's just sort of being professional, listening, 
um, trying to sort of again find some commonality with anyone that's speaking, and again, if you know, hanging off something they've said. Um, even things like, I mean, I'm a big one for sort of just observing clothing. I mean, things like clothing. You know, I've had conversations around socks before. You know, picking up on a coat, a brooch, a tie. Right. I mean, anything like that as well that can come into play. Um, it just shows you if you're attentive. It's all about the details, isn't it? Those in the details. Absolutely. As you well know. Yes. So. You talk about all of this, you know, in terms of what our students can do in terms of preparing for remote or face-to-face assessment centre. These are really, really useful. Thank you, Mark. Now, I've got another question, just kind of, you know, looking at from a different perspective, is that obviously listening to your advice, they're all very encouraging, encouraging people to be forthcoming, encouraging people to be, you know, having an external observation, um, the commercial awareness to talk about current affairs, but, you know, come forward, ask questions, engaging and being interactive. Now, is it possible for them to be seen as too keen? Because if everyone acting in such a way, then would it be possible to create this almost like a, a chaotic situation where everybody wants to squeeze their word in rather than taking a back seat? What are your views um, and some of advice on, on this, please? Yeah, I mean, that is a possibility. Um, I think that's mainly through things like group activities right. uh, and assessment centre. I think that's the most the most obvious one. It's the one the employers would be back on. Um, yeah, I mean, you won't win any points for, for being the loudest or talking the most. You'll, you'll actually be marked out. The whole point of a group activity is just to see that you can work as part of a team as well as communication and your engagement and what have you. Right. But the main part is teamwork. And the teamwork is basically that you, you work well as a team, you listen to your, your teammates. Um, and even bringing in someone who maybe hasn't said anything into the conversation as well, as dangerous as that can be, because you might bring them in and they'll, you know, they'll, they'll give up, you know, they'll, they'll sort of say something that's incredible and amazing. Right. You will still win bonus points for that because you are engaging with the team and you're asking, you know, their, their input and listening as well. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't worry too much if someone keeps talking and talking and talking. They are going to lose out on that. Right. So really, it's about speaking at the right time rather than speaking for the sake of speaking, right? Yeah, absolutely. You, yeah. I mean, that's like anything, isn't it? You want to be considered. You don't want to talk for the sake of talking. You want sure. to make it considered input. And I think as well, if you're one of the people that hasn't said anything, <clears throat> then you can work off your other team. So you can listen to them. You can sort of, you know, you can work off the sort of, as we say, the coattail. So what that means is if they've said something, you add to that. You can say, that's really great. That's brilliant. I also thought about this as well. So you know, you're always very positive when you when you engage, but you can add to what someone else has said as well. Or if you want to change it slightly, you say that's a brilliant idea. I was also thinking about this and then change slightly to what you wanted to talk about initially anyway. Um, that's all fine. There's ways of doing that, but you must be positive. You've got to be positive throughout the day. Absolutely. Right. Great. Thank you for all of this uh, insight and advice. Um, so I want to go back to what you talked about slightly earlier about gamification as part of the application process. And you also talked about um, psychometrics test as well. So my question is that um, what really are the purpose for doing these, you know, for employers to implement this? And exactly what do employers trying to establish us through these exercise and process, please? Okay, so the reason gamification was introduced for um for undergrads and postgrads and graduates was purely because of the feedback around psychometric tests. And it was just seen as being a very dry way of assessing. 
um, a candidate's competencies, skills, personality, whatever. So, you know, but second, if you don't know, psychometric tests, tests, things like global reasoning, numerical skills, situational judgment, etc. Um, so it was just sort of that the employers needed to find a way of sort of engaging candidates more. And so they decided to introduce gamification. Not all of them, I have to stress, some of them have introduced gamification. And it was based on the fact and the research that sort of Gen Z and Gen Alpha mm -hmm. um, and millennials uh, spent a lot of time on mobile technology. Um, there was research that they were quite keen on gaming. Um, and so that's the reason why they were, they were hoping that it would be more attractive and that, you know, a candidate would find it more interesting to do because I've yet to meet anybody who likes psychometric tests. And right. I think, you know, people say, how do you prepare? I mean, you prepare by practicing. It's that you do anything you can do for a psych test. But the other thing is, if you go into anything thinking you're going to fail it, you're going to fail it. And that's, that's like anything. If you're going to pick a violin up and think, oh, I'm never going to pick this up, well, you're not going to pick it up because you don't want to do it. So... I think that's that's the, the reason why they were doing that. I think with some companies as well, the reason they, they sort of chose gamification was to, to, to also, it was also part of their branding. So if you were playing a game and that was to get you onto the next stage of the recruitment process, you'd also be looking at that company thinking, wow, they're innovative. They're going to be really sort of exciting to work for um, because they're using games to assess rather than the old style statements um, and sentences. So um, that, that's the reason why they bought the main. It's, it's really, you know, to, to attract more candidates to make them feel more at ease to probably match the skill set and personality oh, we've got to be careful labels i'm not a big fan of labels um and to just to show that they're a bit more you know aware and more innovative right and do you think in terms of psychometrics text do you think it's fair for certain individuals to hold you know, certain style of verbal reasoning and situational judgment. I mean, I'm assuming there isn't a right, wrong answer in there, or there isn't a pass or fail. Is that correct? Yeah, okay. So in the first instance, the employer will always say that that psychometric gamification is testing skills that are required for that job role. Right. You know, organizational psychologists are involved. They spend a lot of time and money working on them, and that's what the employer would say. Um, the tests are relevant to the role, so if it is numerical, then it's the job will involve numerical work. If it's situational judgment, then it will require sort of judgment-making skills. That, that's how that will work. Right. Um, in terms of, um, you know, whether it's relevant, I mean, we have to be careful because, as I say, I mean, you know, things like gamification is, is based on the fact that, you know, candidates, millennials, Gen Zs, they're on their mobiles, they like gaming. There are, there are certainly a lot of students that I've met who don't game, um, don't like it, mm -hmm. didn't understand it, didn't understand what they were being asked to do. Right. Um, you know, I remember one who, a couple of years ago went somewhere, it was about bursting balloons in a certain order, and they were just furious. They couldn't understand why they had to do this. Right, they okay. They were academic student and they don't like games, so what's the point of this? So we have to be slightly careful with that. But, you know, the, the companies will argue they've gone through that. And the other, yeah, I mean, your final point is whether an algorithm is suitable for choosing a candidate. I mean, that's an age-old argument is it, 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 it that's a tricky one because it depends on a lot of things it depends on obviously who programs the algorithm or who programs the original sort of program uh, or software it depends on sort of you know the people that it's based on so that people would have tested it they would have gone through people who have tested it are those candidates or testers that they represent society um you know are they made up of you know the correct sort of members of society in the socioeconomic background I can't answer that because I don't work for that company, but I know there are arguments around why it is a machine or how can a machine decide that I am not good enough for 
a job, although I'm not good enough for that, that level of, um, you know, that level for the, the psychometric test. In terms of whether it's right or wrong, I mean, there, there can be, because obviously psychometric tests are tests and there are statements that there can be based on the job function. I think you've got personality questionnaires, which, yeah, there's no right or wrong there, they're just testing the personality. Great. So I've got one last question. Sure. <laughs> um, so do you think this is the trend where reflects most of the future employers going forward? Or is it just some of the big international firms for, you know, for the sake of our students and in terms of preparation and stuff? Do you think this is going to be an ongoing trend? Yeah, so I think, yeah, I mean, a lot of this, uh, a lot of this, this technology was used pre-COVID. So as I said, the video interviews where there's no one, you know, you're not talking to anyone, you just talk, talk to a camera and there's a, there's, a, there's a clock counting down. That was pre-COVID anyway. Sure. Psychometric tests were pre-COVID. I think, yeah, things will move on. So we talked very briefly about VR and AR, so augmented reality and virtual reality. I think, yeah, there are companies certainly investigating that and investing in that. Mm -hmm. um, again, I think it, it, it has been used before. I think there are certain sectors that have used it where it works really well. So things like engineering. So I know that I, I went to a sort of um, an employer maybe about five, six years ago, and they were looking at sort of engineering cockpits and helicopters. I mean, that's a great way to put a headset on and look around a cockpit a helicopter if you don't have a helicopter to hand, which right. I'm not sure many of our students have a helicopter to hand in the garden at Burley Park. But so that's quite a good thing. Dentistry was another one where you couldn't get into dental practices over COVID. The dental students could actually go into a dental practice with a headset on. The issue there, of course, is the access to how many people have that technology. Mm -hmm. It's costly. I think it's costly for the companies and again you know covid and as well as you know some of the situations that are going on like say like ukraine the energy crisis but you know that's going to cost companies companies it's not just about the selection of recruitments what does the company do can it afford this um so it might put some of these on the back burner but i, I would say yeah it's definitely being investigated um uh, and it will be looked at but it, it, you know like a lot of things initially it's expensive um but i can see probably in four or five years time a lot of people will have headsets they will be sitting in the front room you know in Bali so they might be sat in Burley Park but they'll actually be in Bali with the headset on you know sitting on the beach because the cost will come down I mean that's it's supply and demand so then they can use that in terms of selection and recruitment as well absolutely absolutely well that's great thank you so much Mark I think that's all we've got time for um and I think we've uh you know, we've discussed so much and it's certainly a great start to this podcast series. Now, before I conclude or wrap up for this episode, I just wondered, uh, have you got any takeaway points for this episode for our students to uh, to think about, um, you know, in terms of the recruitment processes, in terms of preparation? Okay, so I've got, I have a few things. Obviously, the first thing I've got to talk about is the career service website. I've worked for the career service, so we you know, do look at the career service website. We have information on psychometrics and interviews. Um, so we have practice psychometric testing, which is free. We also have um, a piece of software called Shortlist Me, which is practice video interviewing as well, which you can sign up for. That's, that's on our website. Some of the external um, career websites have some very good information. So Target Jobs has a very good um, article on them. Uh, gamification, so it's called the Graduate Job Hunters Guide to Gamification. LinkedIn, get your profile sorted on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is so important. There's a lot of stuff going on LinkedIn, and you know I do do a lot of webinars and workshops on LinkedIn. So just keep your eye on my career for, for those as well. Do engage with employer webinars. Um, I think you know we have we still have a lot of employers who are doing webinars, and it's really important that you engage. I can't stress that enough. They, you know, I have been in meetings where they constantly say to us, you know, the students must use the chat function. They must if we allow it, open the mic, because that's a way of standing out. If you can't get onto the, onto the premises, you've got, to, you've got to stand out in another way. 
Um, the last thing I will say is that interestingly, I only found out about this yesterday and I, I watched it overnight. The BBC on the 8th of March actually had a documentary about AI in selection and recruitment, um, graduate selection and recruitment. It's on iPlayer for the year. Um, it's called Computer Says No. Um, it, it's, yeah, I mean, watch it, but just be slightly careful with the content. Um, not that it's rude or anything, it's just, it's, um, it, it's a slightly one way of looking at it. Um, but it's well worth having a look, it's about 50 minutes long. And have a look at that. The last thing I would say is there's a company at Nexus, based at Nexus, which is at the far end of uh, campus, they're called Slingshot. Slingshot are working on um, VR and AR technology. Um, I'm actually going to meet with them pretty soon, uh, which ties in with the VIP. Absolutely. Uh, we have Ellen in July. Yes, we have. In July, so I'm going to meet them with regards to that. And um, have a look at their website. They've got some very interesting articles on there about augmented reality, virtual reality, and some of the work they do as well. And they are, as I say, they're based on campus. So that's what I would say. Well, there you have it, everyone. So thank you so much. So much, Mark, and that's a plenty takeaway for our audience. Uh, well, no, no, <laughs> the more the better. You've shared so much. Um, so I guess for the next episode, we'll invite industry practitioner who's going to share more insight on the adaptation of AI technology in recruitment process and how graduates can prepare for this. So stay tuned for the next episode. We'll continue on this discussion. Now, if you're interested in finding out more about this topic, please subscribe to our podcast series. You're also welcome to get in touch with us. You can either send us an email or book an online appointment directly with Mark via the Career Center. Our contact details available in the episode description. Lastly, I shall leave you with a quote by Brian Cornell, the CEO of Target Corporation. He says, the technology is going to disrupt the future of work, perhaps sooner than we thought. Until next time. Thank you.